three Palestinian youth were murdered by the state-sanctioned settler army, Adam Mabruk, Ibrahim Nabilsi, and Mohammed Dakil. Brave members of the Palestinian resistance group, the Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigade. CNN slanders the names, describing them as Palestinian militants. I remember an article from 2014 where they centered the Israeli soldier dying over the thousands of people murdered in Gaza. Israeli soldier's death raises toll from Gaza conflict. Thousands of people who were murdered. And the CNN headline bemoans the Israeli soldier. It centers the death of the colonizer over the death of the colonized. Well, Israel doesn't just kill members of the armed resistance. They target ideologues, people who influence public opinion. Jacob Dahan, the first anti-Zionist Jew, murdered by the Haganah. They have no problem applying that violence towards Jewish people. It has nothing to do with Judaism. It has everything to do with are you on the side of colonialism or not? Hello and welcome to episode 44 of the Palestine Pod, the weekly podcast where we break down the latest headlines dealing with Palestine from all over the world and bring you stories, commentary, and interviews with the aim of supporting Palestinian struggle for justice and equality. I'm one of your hosts, Lara E. You might know me from Instagram as at Girl, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey B. What's up, y'all? Mikey B on TikTok, Michael Schertzer on Instagram, and you can call me Mikey Intifada if you say, we're not ethnically cleansing you, but also we're going to send you to Syria. That joke written <laughs> by my co-host, Lara. <laughs> but actually, all the credit goes to Itamar Ben-Giver for being the original source of the content. Yes. Thank you so much for living out my Mikey Intifadas every day, <laughs> you fucking psycho. Before we get into today's episode, please like, comment, and subscribe if you hang out with us on YouTube. If you're listening on a podcast app, please subscribe and leave a review. As always, you can find our full episodes and sources on palestinepod.com. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, please reach out to us at palestinepod at gmail.com and give us a follow on Instagram at the Palestine Pod. Feel free to also join our Patreon if you love the Palestine Pod and you want to support the project. You can get early access to our Palestine Pod episodes and an additional podcast every week called the Patreon Pod. We talk politics, Palestine, pop culture, Bob Saget, get a little more personal with our audience. And we're also hosting our monthly Zoom happy hours for our Patreon subscribers only. So feel free to check us out at patreon.com slash Palestine. Let's jump right into it. We have a lot of stories to cover today. So this week, three Palestinian youth were murdered by the state-sanctioned settler army. Their names are Adam Mabruk, Ibrahim Nabilsi, and Mohammed Dakil. Brave members of the Palestinian resistance group, the Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigade. In a tweet with a photo of the bullet-ridden vehicle, the PLO said soldiers jumped out of a Palestinian public taxi and shot and killed three Palestinians. Quote, this is what the aftermath of an extrajudicial killing by Israeli occupation forces looks like. The Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigades were formed in the West Bank refugee camp of Balata near Nablus shortly after Ariel Sharon and a large police contingent stormed Al-Aqsa in September 2000, foreshadowing what was to come from the settlers in the future. The brigades target Israeli roadblocks and settlers in the West Bank. Founded by Yasser Badawi and Nasir Awis, it's a secular group that was once affiliated with Fatah, but it's semi-autonomous these days as a result of the Israeli government's attempts to play Fatah and Hamas off each other. Initially, the resistance group did not carry out attacks outside of the West Bank. In August 2001, the brigade's leader and co-founder, Yasser Badawi, was killed by a car bomb. And after his death, the group began hosting more operations outside of the West Bank. 
these teens were killed for resisting the illegal occupation, specifically by the Yamam Special Operations Unit. This is an undercover unit that's made up of Israelis who are disguised as Palestinians and often conduct raids to kill. This is the same unit responsible for killing Ahmad Fad in May 2021. According to a spokesman for Palestinian Health Ministry, Fad was shot multiple times at close range. CNN slanders the names of these youths by describing them as Palestinian militants. And yet I found myself thinking, at least they call them Palestinian. It's strange when Israeli soldiers die, which happens very rarely. They have such a different tone when reporting it to the public. I remember an article from 2014 where they centered the Israeli soldier dying over the thousands of people murdered in Gaza. It was called Israeli soldier's death raises toll from Gaza conflict. An insane headline, if I've ever read one myself. That's literally insane. That was 2014. So it was actually thousands of people who were murdered. And the CNN headline bemoans the Israeli soldier. Also saying that he raised the death toll, which makes yeah. it sound like that's the only death that matters. Yeah, it centers the death of the colonizer over the death of the colonized. Yeah, that's rough. The article said the soldiers, quote, death increases the number killed on the Israeli side to 68. Of those, 65 were soldiers and two Israeli civilians. A foreign worker in Israel was also killed. I love how they other the worker even after he's dead, right? He's like, you weren't <laughs> ours. You just worked here. Right. You know, he was in the building when we got, okay. Uh, <laughs> I think I remember this and I think it was a Thai worker. Right. The United Nations has said more than 2,100 Palestinians were killed in the violence in Gaza. The UN estimates at least 70% of the Palestinians killed were civilians. And that's probably a low estimation. So you're still reading from the article from 2014? Yeah. Yeah. So Israel doesn't just kill members of the armed resistance either, right? They target ideologues, people who are able to influence public opinion, like the murder of Sheikh Ahmed Ishmael Hassan Yassin, a Palestinian imam and politician. He's the founder of Hamas. Yassin was a quadriplegic who was nearly blind and used a wheelchair since a sporting accident at the age of 12. He was killed when an Israeli helicopter gunship fired a missile at him as he was being wheeled from early morning prayers in Gaza City. This reminds me of Jacob de Haan, right? The first anti-Zionist Jew who was murdered in 1924 by the Haganah. They admit outside his temple of worship in Jerusalem because he was part of an emissary to go to London and speak out against Zionism and the creation of the Zionist state. And I guess the intelligence operations were worried enough about what he would say and how people would receive his opinions that they decided to murder him. They can't take any chances that Palestine will be free. Yeah. And they have no problem applying that violence towards Jewish people when they pose a threat to the existence of the colonial entity. It's yeah. not even about, it's, it has nothing to do with religion or anti-Semitism or Judaism. It has everything to do with, are you on the side of colonialism or not? And if you're not, you're just as much of a threat as the indigenous who is here and who we have to get rid of. I mean, Jacob Dehan, he was in Jerusalem. I mean, he was, for all intents and purposes, like living in Jerusalem 
you know, side by side with Palestinians. And that wasn't the issue. The issue was Zionism and the plans to create this state, this exclusionary state that, that he had a problem with. So we should all remember his name. And especially because Zionists today want you to think that being an anti-Zionist Jew is like a brand new thing. Right. We have a long history, Palestinians and anti-Zionist Jews of working together. And they have a long history of killing us. You know what I mean? So let's go. All right. (laughs) Israel's murderous rampage extends far beyond whatever fictional borders they claim today as they continue to gobble up more land from Syria, Jordan, and Yemen. Fun fact, did you know that Israeli tourists can go to the island of Socotra, but indigenous Yemenis cannot? No, I did not know that. Yeah. They also murder scientists in Iran, right? Between 2010 and 2012, four Iranian nuclear scientists were assassinated, murdered by the occupation. I'm not going to try and say their name out of respect for them. Then just recently as well, there was another one. They just kill so many scientists. I can't keep them straight. Um, They kill Palestinians. They kill Iranian scientists. They kill people in Syria. They kill whoever they feel like killing. They kill anti-Zionist Jews. Doesn't matter. So they kill Americans, the U.S. American Palestinian. Yep. Oh yes, and yeah. the U.S. is liberty for sure. They want you to forget that there are still people alive who were on the USS Liberty. No, and they make videos about it. It's like, and they're like, "Why does no one talk about this? Why does how nobody come nobody care? cares? <laughs> Why does nobody care?" Yeah saddest violin because like they did sign up for military service but you know what i mean whatever bbc reports five days ago or you know within the last week giving me time to edit that israel's Mossad suspected of high level iran penetration and it's just like what is up with your phrasing my guy like could you have done a better job and we all know the answer is yes and they spoke about this instance where the Mossad very likely murdered this top-level Iranian scientist, and they used a flying robot machine gun to do so because it's like pandemic was so hot, everybody was working from home. They don't even get to the location anymore because they're scared to step outside out of the computers. Like, they're, sure. they're terrified of the real like world. For sure. And they just want to like murder anybody who gets in their way. Yeah, we covered this before. The yeah, we covered the it. AI assisted remote controlled killing machine. Qasem Soleimani, who was killed in a U.S. drone strike with the help of Israeli intelligence in January. Soleimani 20- was different. Soleimani, that was different. Yeah, Soleimani was a military leader. General, yeah, you're right. Okay, General Soleimani. Well, he was also killed by yeah, he was with murdered, the help of Israeli he was held- intelligence. He was murdered by the U.S. because Israel played the U.S. We actually covered their meeting because we were like, yeah. it's weird that they're meeting. We know something bad is going to happen. Yeah. And then what happened is they blew up a general in the Iranian military who was known for his leadership and also for combating ISIS and Al-Qaeda in the area. He's beloved by many people in the region. 
they did that because the Israeli lobby, Israeli government, they managed to convince Trump that it would be a good idea to do so. He would look strong or whatever. And it, you know, backfired terribly. Well, depends. Weapons manufacturers love it, right? Oh, yeah. But for anybody living day to day, it's not a great situation. Professor Niles Melzer is the human rights chair of the Geneva Academy of International Humanitarian Law and Human Rights. He defines targeted killings as the use of lethal force attributable to a subject of international law with the intent, premeditation, and deliberation to kill individually selected persons not in the physical custody of those targeting them. And I remember that when I was protesting in Los Angeles, the Spanish-speaking communities in Compton, when they were showing up for people like Andres Guardado, Daniel Hernandez, and others murdered by the LAPD and LA Sheriff's Department gangs, the families used the word assassinos to describe mm-hmm. the police as murderers and assassins, right? I'm sure, I know there's another word for murder, but I think they specifically chose assassino because that's how like they viewed them. They are yeah. murder. They are cold-blooded state-sanctioned murderers. Yeah. But anyways, I saw that like Miriam Barguti was getting some flack for using the word assassination on Instagram. And I don't know. It, you know. Flack by who though? I'm not sure, but okay. they they uh, somebody who is Palestinian, so it's like an okay. intercommunal thing. I'm not trying to get into it, but I <laughs> right. <laughs> stay, stay. I, I super stay duper back. noticed. Stay back from that. But like, they riddled the car with bullets. They they murdered them in an in a. They murder people all the time, and the way they did this, it was above and beyond cruel. Following Israel's assassination of these three Palestinians, by the way, they the the word is being used in pal in in, in headlines of. Um, by Palestinian media. So I do think it's, I think it's fair. I also think it's fair because, you know, when you think about assassination, you think about the killing of people who are prominent in the limelight, certainly people who are, you know, either lawmakers or politicians or people that are in like a sort of like position of authority. And when you think about, you know, resistance fighters, they are in a certain position of authority, they are in a certain position of, you know, being in the public, and certainly they're known by Israel. So I do think it's fair to say that they were assassinated. But in the aftermath of this, the Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigade has called on the PA to cancel the Oslo Accords. The occupation decided to cancel the Oslo Accords years ago. Yeah. <laughs> right? Seriously. It's not even up to the PA anymore. Right, right. That's actually hilarious and the truest thing that could be said in response, because they they were they were never not for one day were the Oslo Accords ever respected. Not even when uh, they were being signed. Yeah, the paperwork was irrelevant as it was being drafted. Let's go to some BDS stuff. Okay, for sure. Good news yeah. coming out of Harvard. Rare thing I've ever said. Almost don't yeah. think I've ever said it actually. But the Palestine Chronicle lets us know that Harvard students rally against Sabra Hummus in dining halls. They held a rally on Tuesday to urge the university to stop serving Sabra hummus in its dining halls due to the company's connection with the Israeli army, the Harvard Crimson reported. Protesters belonging to the group Harvard Out of Occupied Palestine, also known as HOOP, 
gathered in Harvard Yard and chanted slogans such as, Don't buy products laced with hate. Sabra funds a racist state, according to the Crimson. You gotta love love a good protest chant, huh? I love a good protest chant. Yeah, I love a Molotov cocktail. All right. Anyways... Palestine Solidarity Committee calls on Harvard to disclose and divest its investments in companies tied to Israel's presence in Palestine, including Sabra's owner, Strauss Group, which provides financial support for the IDF, Golani Brigade specifically. That's a tweet coming from Anthro Boycott. Yeah, it's just good to see some accountability from corporations who are close with and do business with the occupation at large. Yes. We also have some great BDS news coming out of Texas. Our dear friend Nora Barrows Friedman reported in the Electronic Intifada this week that for the second time, legislation which was designed to outlaw BDS, has been ruled unconstitutional in Texas. In this case, Rasmi Hasuna, the Gazan-born owner of an engineering firm, sued Texas after refusing to sign a loyalty oath to Israel in order to secure a contract with the city of Houston. A federal judge granted an injunction in late January blocking the state from enforcing its law against Hasuna. This is the second time that uh, a similar lawsuit was won against this Texas law. The first time was in 2019. You all will remember that that lawsuit was filed on behalf of Bahia Amawi, who is a speech pathologist that refused to sign a contract to renew her job with the Austin Public School District because the contract contained a clause saying that she does not and will not engage in boycott of Israel or otherwise take any action that is intended to inflict economic harm on that country. And in that case, a federal judge rendered a 56-page order uh, stating that that law threatens to suppress unpopular ideas and, quote, manipulate the public debate through coercion rather than persuasion. See, this is essential. Like, you guys know that your point of view is so unconvincing and so, so not only unconvincing and unpersuasive, but also like nobody wants to be on your side that you have to force people to be on your side by threatening them with their livelihood. In other words, they will be fired if they don't promise to support you. I mean, that's loyalty oath. Loyalty oath is so like medieval King vibe, you know, where it's like off with his head. If he doesn't support me blindly. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, the judges in these cases are not being fooled and they are rendering very clear judgments in, in, that say that you, you just can't do this. In addition to a Maui's lawsuit, you also had a separate lawsuit that was filed by the ACLU on behalf of four Texans who were forced under that law to choose between signing the certification for, for foregoing professional opportunities and losing income. So... Look, you have a bunch of lawsuits in Texas. After the 2019 lawsuits, Texas amended the anti-BDS law and said that basically the law would only apply to companies with more than 10 employees or contracts worth more than $100,000, which is kind of weird because it doesn't actually deal with the problem. The problem is the loyalty oath, not the scope of who it applies to. 
Right. It just raises the price (laughs) to people who are likely associated with them. Palestine Legal came out and said that these amendments are designed to remove the plaintiffs challenging the law from its reach, and they may reduce the number of individuals affected by the law, but they fail to resolve the underlying constitutional issues. That's exactly right. Yeah. So anyways, uh, good news out of Texas. We have confirmation that these anti-BDS laws are unconstitutional, and it's happening again and again. And I think, you know, it's it's only going to be a matter of time before this type of question goes before a higher court, maybe even the Supreme Court, who knows? Walls are literally crumbling, right? Yeah. Good to the, see. The land is like, bitch, get the fuck off of me. More BDS news. BDS crushing all over the world, frankly. Death on the Nile, a movie with Gal Gadot, former soldier in the Israeli terrorist army. It has a movie that is coming out called Death on the Nile, but it's dead on arrival because it has been banned in Lebanon and Kuwait. Lebanon will not screen the adaptation of Agatha Christie's murder mystery novel, Deadline reported Thursday. Earlier in the week, AFP confirmed local reports that Kuwait had banned the film following social media protests over Godot. Godot served two years in the IDF and has become a target of criticism in, quote, the Arab world over her public support for the IDF slamming of Palestinian militant group Hamas during the Gaza war. Gaza war. What? This is is Forbes, by the way. You could tell. Gaza Gaza war in 2014. More like war on Gaza. Gaza Gaza war crimes in 2014. Yeah. (laughs) Disney did not immediately respond to Forbes' request for comment. Can you believe the mouse didn't want to weigh in? The mouse said, ah, leave me out of it. Uh, Moviegoers in Lebanon, Kuwait may not be missing much. We love the shade from Forbes. Reviews (laughs) have been mediocre, with the film earning a 63% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and the New York Times headlining its review with the zinger dead in the water oh damn i didn't even read that i love uh, that because i said dead on arrival but i yeah yeah anyways oh no they're all great dead yeah. references yeah. Yeah, yeah heck yeah also qatar rules out normalizing relations with israel shout out to our listeners in qatar we see your downloads and we appreciate you oh. one of the few arab nations who is standing strong with palestine and not bending to the incentives of money and military aid and international relations and all of that. Also shout out to Kuwait and our listeners in Kuwait, because that state made it very clear that they would not be normalizing relations with Israel. They are one of the only Gulf states that has really stayed firm um, on this issue and are not bending. On the other hand, in a historic first, an Israeli occupation army official will take a permanent post in Bahrain. He's, He's got to look to- over that new Elbit with systems factory, huh? Yeah, seriously. The official is going to be a naval officer and will work as a liaison for the U.S. Fifth Fleet, which is headquartered in the Gulf country. Because, you know, all these Gulf states are just U.S. military bases at the yeah, end of the day. truly. Bizarre. Because... 
we know that Bahraini people do not support this normalization and it is just getting like deeper and deeper and I mean, it's just, it is yeah, for like, sure. the, it's like the venom Spider-Man where it just like slowly grabs at everything around it and corrupts anything that was yeah. once beautiful. Why did they do this? They, they're wealthy. Like all of these Gulf nations are wealthy. Why did they do if this? If it's not about wealth, then it's just about the comfort of not having them coming for your necks. But that's why I'm saying otherwise irrelevant. So maybe it's like posturing, like now we're relevant. Now we're, you know, we, we're hanging out with the U.S. and Israel, who are like the, the big boys. I don't know. She went to BG with the big boys. Something like that. Yeah. So this is bad news out of Bahrain. We'll keep monitoring normalization stuff. Good news coming out of Lebanon. They dismantled, quote, the largest Israeli spy network operating in the country. At least 35 suspected members of the network were interrogated, 20 of whom were arrested over the past four weeks. Lebanese intelligence has dismantled the largest Israeli espionage network operating in the country. Internal Security Forces Information Branch uncovered over 15 Israeli spy networks working independently across Lebanon and even reaching neighboring Syria. In one of Lebanon's largest security operations carried out since 2009, Lebanese Daily Al-Akbar claimed. The spies were found to be monitoring and providing information on Hezbollah and Palestinian factions in Lebanon, including Hamas. The network reportedly penetrated the information branch of security services and allegedly became close to its leadership. So this is something that they do all the time. They did this in Syria as well. And then the person created a project where he planted trees in a specific area that would indicate where the Israeli military should bomb in the next interaction that they had that was violent. And he, to the like highest level of Syrian government, ascended. So they do this frequently. They're weird undercover. And the youths who were murdered by the Israeli special forces were also Israelis who pretend to be Palestinians, they're infiltrators, right? People who literally dress up as somebody else in order to gain access, proximity, trust, and then murder people or provide information that allows for other people to murder people. Speaking of spyware stuff, Washington Post owned by mega vulture capitalist Jeff Bezos reports that the CIA has a secret program that collects American data or harvests it as one article. Dude, what's the, who's writing these? Who's writing these articles like somebody, penetration and harvesting? And Somebody have a talk with the line editors because it's getting unruly. They're starting to act like Russian kids. All right. Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon and Martin Heinrich of New Mexico sent a letter to top intelligence officials calling for more details about the program to be declassified. They're talking about the secret spy system. <laughs> Large parts of the letter, which was sent in April 2021 and declassified Thursday, were released by the CIA, but blacked out. Wyden, Heinrich... <laughs> said the program operated outside the statutory framework that Congress and the public believe govern this collection. 
the FBI spied on U.S. civil rights movements and secretly recorded the conversations of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the CIA, in what was called Operation Chaos, investigated and monitored American activists opposing the Vietnam War. We also know that LAPD targeted Nipsey Hussle's street and corner. Police were deployed to these locations armed with what they're told as, quote, data-driven trends. But these trends are just racial profiling that police have always done. U.S. rejects amnesty accusation of apartheid. Yeah. The American ambassador to Israel rejected it. Okay, but we don't care about that. Ned Price. I think it's important as the world's only Jewish state that the Jewish people must not be denied their right to self-determination and we must ensure there isn't a double standard being applied. To what? Uh, to who's, what? Yeah, who's on the other the side of apartheid? What's the other <laughs> side of apartheid? What's the double standard? Democratic majority for Israel said, we don't know who needs to hear this, but Israel is the only country in the Middle East where Jews and Arabs govern together. <laughs> govern what? APAC said, Amnesty's view is clear. Israel's original sin is that it exists at all. This libelous report weaves a malicious web of lies and distortions with the contemptible objective to delegitimize Israel as a Jewish state. God, can you imagine how dramatic they are writing that shit? Original sin. Very biblical. Like, every time they sit down for a computer session, it is stressful. Yeah. But the thing is, is like, APAC's not wrong. Israel's original sin is that it exists at all. Yeah. We agree. Yeah. I mean, that is the problem. Because they've created an exclusionary state on top of land where there's plenty of other people living that don't enjoy the same rights as the people that you're bringing over. So yeah, that is the problem. Look at how they've stumbled onto the point. This article about this Palestinian lawmaker in 48, who was like, I don't agree with the apartheid label, you know, just like some collaborator. Arab party leader in Israel rejects apartheid label. Yeah, that's what it is. Yikes. And the guy's name is Mansour Abbas. I don't know if he has any relation to Mahmoud Abbas, but if he does, then that's all we need to know. This reminds me of the article uh, by the Associated Press that's like been circulating and picked up by a bunch of different news outlets. And they're just like, it's just like goes back to this whole issue of like sanitization of language and confusing people. It's not even like being outwardly Zionist. It's like, portraying the situation as just being the most neutral and, you know, sort of like you could pick either side and either side has good points, you know? All right. There is a win because they've given up on trying to sell people Zionism, right? They like, yeah, they're like, I mean, look, we know it's indefensible. Their new defense. And I've been seeing this in my TikTok comments a lot is to deflect to America they're like, well, America pays for all of this and America benefits off all of this. And, Amer you know, it's like they're done trying to justify their own like actions because they know they know the world is turning on them straight up. And so they're just like, OK, well, America. Very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. I have not. Uh, yeah, I mean, that makes sense, right? That makes sense to fall back on America. It goes on to be like, yeah, he doesn't believe that there's apartheid, blah, blah, blah. And then 
they go on to say he did not say whether he thinks the term applies to the occupied West Bank, where more than 2.5 million Palestinians live under Israeli military rule, alongside nearly 500,000 Jewish settlers with Israeli citizenship. Then it goes on to say Israel captured the territory in the 1967 Mideast War, and the Palestinians want it to form the main part of their future state. It just makes it sound like you have these two sides and then like they want it for this, they want it for this. And, you know, it was a war and that was it. And it's like, there's no context here that makes you understand that it's not that Palestinians want it for a future state. That makes it sound like they have no claim to it. That makes it sound like they weren't there. That makes it sound like- It's aspirational. We want this for our state. It's like, no, 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 we live here. We've been living here. Or we were expelled to here because you took- the majority of our land in the first place. It, it makes it sound like they have nothing to do with the land. And it's just like, well, we want it for our state. Here's another confusing line. Arabs make up 20% of Israel's population. They have citizenship, including the right to vote, have major presence in medical profession and universities, among other fields, but they face widespread discrimination. They have close familial ties to the Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza and largely identify with their cause. What? They have close familial ties, like actual family? Like, like they're trying to say that they're, they're basically saying that like they're separate, but also they have some familial ties with these other people. It's like, no, no, they're all the same. They're the same people. There's no difference between them. It just tries to make and largely identify with their cause as if the cause of the Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza is separate from the cause of those in 48. It's just bizarre. Israel views such allegations, like the allegation of apartheid, as an assault on its very existence, saying its policies are designed to ensure the survival and well-being of the world's only Jewish state. Uh, I personally thought New York was a Jewish state. But I didn't. I never. I guess I only lived there for a bit. You know. How is that an argument? Our policies are designed to ensure the survival of the Jewish state. That doesn't mean that they aren't discriminatory. That doesn't mean that it's not apartheid. Yeah, it's actually like an affirmative and a blank check for <laughs> anything. <laughs> it basically means like, hey, we'll whatever, whatever you gotta do. Yeah. <laughs> whatever we gotta do to you ensure. You don't love that. You don't love that, truthfully. I mean. Yeah. Like even as a Jew, not great to hear that. That the kind of scary actually to hear we'll do whatever it takes cuz whatever it takes. Whatever it takes could be what, right? You know what I mean? What's happening right now is pretty awful, I'd say. Right. But it could be even worse. Could be worse. That's right. They don't even promise that it's whatever not, that it it's going to get better. They're not promising it's going to get better, right? No. They can't promise that. They know it's going to get worse. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever it takes to ensure the survival and well-being, like almost like it's like a person, you know, like it has its on life support. Like Like it's it's almost gone and they can feel like, like it is alive, you know, what is it? Nascent? Is that the word? Like aware, conscious being. I, I would say cognizant. I'm going to have to look them up. You know what I mean? Both of them. <laughs> right. So very awkward as like the response, you know, again, don't be confused people. They never respond on the merits. They always respond by saying you're anti-Semitic. 
you want to destroy Israel. You want to destroy the only Jewish state. We are just trying to survive as the only Jewish state. All of these things are excuses for the thing that they can't rebut, which is the accusation and clear satisfaction of the criteria for apartheid. And it's just like, literally this word has now become like, like, you know, the thorn in the Zionist ass, right? They can't escape it. And the New York Times has not written about it for a full week. They had over a week to report on it. And the New York Times has said literally nothing about it. New York Times, your silence is deafening. Did they come out with anything even late? I don't believe so. Let me check really quick. And I know you listen to the Patreon content, New York Times. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. A week has passed and not a single word in the New York Times about Am- Amnesty International's landmark report. Nothing. Mr. New York Times. I mean, CNN even reported on it. Yeah. So, like, that's basically it. Just, you know, stay alert, people, because I feel like the new trend is, like, just to tell the story, like, halfway. The article used the word occupied West Bank. It used the word settlers. It used used words that we know are the correct words to use. But then it'll come out with this, you know... uh, line that is super confusing right after that so stay alert and uh always call out bad reporting when you when you see it stay woke (laughs) yes and we've also got the former attorney general and supreme court justice of israel saying that it's an apartheid yeah that guy who said it is my he came out with like a my great sadness you want me to read it? Michael Ben-Yair, former attorney general of Israel and former judge of Israeli Supreme Court, agrees with the Amnesty International report on apartheid. He said, histrionically, with great sadness, I conclude that my country is now an apartheid regime. He's like, now that every major human rights organization has come out and said it, I guess I can agree. It is, he said, it is impossible to conclude otherwise. The occupation is a permanent reality. This is a one-state reality with two different people living with unequal rights. You simply cannot be a liberal democracy if you operate apartheid over another people. It is a contradiction in terms because Israel's entire society is complicit in this unjust reality. It is the Israeli ministerial cabinet for settlements that approves every illegal settlement in the occupied territories. It was me in my role as the attorney general. Attorney General who approved Attorney the- General is that what you said? <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm super high. <laughs> uh, and, and I drank after you know my what? show. Let's fucking go, you know dog. Let's fucking He's go. He's the Attorney General. Let's go with it. Yeah, the Attorney General who approved the expropriation of private Palestinian land in order to build infrastructure such as roads that have entrenched settlement expansion. It is the Israeli court. You want to say something? You know what's frustrating with shit like this is it's like you knew the whole time. Yeah, it's like the dudes who were talking about the Tantour massacre and they're like, we fucking, we pulled the trigger, okay? We we pulled the trigger and we killed people. And it's like, yeah, yeah dude, 
you're psychos. Like you knew the whole time, and now you are acting like it just dawned on you. Yeah, I was you, were, you literally were doing the apartheid. Yeah. Like you were yeah. one of the guys signing were, the documents. You were signing the documents that enforced the unequal treatment and the discrimination and the racial supremacy. You were one of those guys. Yeah. He continues. It is the Israeli courts that uphold discriminatory laws geared to expel Palestinians from their homes in East Jerusalem and their lands in the West Bank. It is healthcare providers operate over the green line. And Israel's citizens ultimately pay taxes that subsidize the government's entrenchment of control and domination in these territories. Between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea, it is Israel that is permanently depriving millions of Palestinians of their civil and political rights. This is really apartheid. Yeah, and that's how it's been the whole time. He was like, once I got done cashing my checks and signing apartheid notices, I want to make a statement and let it be grandiose. Another headline that caught my eye was from Haaretz this week. You want an Israeli passport? Then prove you're staying for good. Apparently, the Israeli interior ministry is cracking down on the phenomenon known as passport aliyah, which is bad news for anyone eyeing an Israeli passport for ease of access in pandemic era times. Apparently, some people, some Jewish people are just going to Israel, getting the passport and leaving. Yeah. Right. Who would want to stay? Israel's like, (laughs) no, if you're going to get the passport, you have to prove you're settling. You have to prove that you're going to be a settler for good. Yeah. They're like, no ins and outs, bro. We gave you the wristband. Exactly. Apparently, a bunch of Russians were doing this. It was pretty common among Russians because they found that traveling on an Israeli passport was easier than traveling on a Russian passport. Yeah. Um, but they never like intended to actually live there. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. They're loyal, they're loyal to Russia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're like, but we'll use these idiotic Israelis who are willing to give us a passport. You right. Know? For no reason. For no reason. Yeah. So no, Israel wants to make sure that you're going to be a settler. You know, if you're, if you're going to get the passport, you, we're going to need you to settle. That's actually like very telling because it's like, it used to be just the commitment of becoming a citizen was enough. Right. But now they're like, Oh wait, you're not going to stay. Like you want to just use the benefits of the occupation, but not contribute to it. No, like that's a, but also, also like the whole concept that it's supposed to be, you know, a nation for all the world's Jews, like anyone who is Jewish should be allowed to go there and get the citizenship. What do you care if they settle or not? Like you're saying that this is to protect all Jewish people. So they should be able to have the passport in case they ever need to use it. Right. But no, go ahead. No, oh, yeah, but just, no, Israel's saying, no, you can't. You got to settle. You got to be a settler. Yeah, you got to occupy space here. Yeah. Because like, we don't care if violent. you're, yeah, we don't care <laughs> if you're actually safe or not. Like you may starve to death on food stamps if you're a Holocaust survivor. We super don't care. But we do want to make sure you don't go back to wherever you came from. Because right. that's, we need, they're basically, they're basically like, we need bodies. And we can't just use the ones we've killed, right? Right. No, because those, yeah, we need live Jewish bodies, right? Yeah. The official Israel account tweeted, started from the bottom, now we hear. And 
in a, in the attachment to that horrible tweet is a picture of, I think it's Ben Gurion, and then it says, from an arid desert to blooming fields and vibrant cities. Started from the bottom, now we here. Where are we? <laughs> we are a settler colony. I'm scared. Why am I tied up? What? It's just this bizarre, like, attempt to, like, make settler colonialism cool. Yeah. To you vibe know? it with the kids. Like, if you put a Drake quote, a Drake lyric on it, then it's going to be cool. And shouts to the I kids. I know what we'll do. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're really not fucking with the propaganda. They, like, these young kids are more communist than the original communists. I mean... They're they're reading Marx, you know what I mean? They're quoting him online, like they're talking about Jeff, Asada Shakur, like see that picture of Ben Gurion? It's horrible. You gotta send it to me. Don't do this, grandma. But do you see it? It's for uh, you. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he has he ever taken a flattering photo? <laughs> no. You ever seen a photo of that guy where you're like stunning, right? He's been he was born balding. Like that guy is fucked up. I know. That guy I looks know. like a bridge troll. You know what I mean? I, no wonder sure. he was like, let's pick up a gun and murder people. That's he's heavy school shooter energy. Oh, there honestly, we I can't like I need to stop reading their tweets. Yeah. Like I it hurts I your brain. It, it's like a car accident. You know, you have to look and it's like yeah. for me. You I don't have actually to have to look, and I would know because I was in the car accident. That's how it happened. You know. Okay, well, I can't stop looking. Took at my eyes off the road too long. All right. They just the way they romanticize ethnic cleansing, the way they romanticize the racial supremacist state that they have created. You know, uh, there's another tweet: "Dreams are dreams until you actualize them." For thousands of years, we dreamed about returning to our historic homeland. Then it happened, and then they attach a picture of of Theodore Herzl quote saying, "If you will it, it is no dream." Like they are citing like the number one Zionist, like the arch Zionist, like the the creator, like the the grand planner of all the like Zionism, and like he's got like a he's got like a quote. That sounds like, you know, it could be like on like a live, laugh, love sort of. Yeah, know. it's an Instagram caption for an Insta- someone like selling if, tummy tea. If you will it, it is no dream. That's apparently a Herzl quote. There's a lot of other Herzl quotes that I think the audience would benefit from knowing. It's a colonial effort. He said, they are the native people. He oh, also- yeah, I know. My favorite Herzl quote in 1985. It 1985? Is- the fuck? Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. My favorite Herzl quote from he released a new shit. <laughs> no, no, no. From 1895 is what he wrote in his diary. We must expropriate gently the private property of the state assigned to us. We shall try to spirit the penniless population across the border by procuring employment for it in transit countries, aka the Palestinians or the penniless population. Hey, that's a fire Instagram quote. Uh, another another amazing Herzl quote, both the process of expropriation and the removal of the poor must be carried out discreetly and circumspectly. Let the owners of the immovable property believe that they are cheating us, selling us things for more than they are worth, but we are not going to sell them anything back. Okay. A lot of great Herzl quotes about ethnic cleansing. You know, you don't post those. He said, what was that word? 
He said a word that sounded like conspiracy, but wasn't. He said that expropriation and removal of the poor must be carried out discreetly and circumspectly. Circumspectly? Nah, you use the word circumspectly and you are a weirdo. Straight up. Herzl believes in gentle expropriation and discreet ethnic cleansing, you know? Yeah. I mean, hey, he, he is trying to do the terrorism that the ADL is calling for, right? He's like, hey, keep your terrorism <laughs> down. Like, that's the... There was an article in, of somebody who, like, quit the ADL because they realized that it wasn't about fighting anti-Semitism or stopping hate crimes and that they had direct links with police departments that were perpetrating crimes. Yeah. And it's kind of like this person wrote a bunch of tweets and they were like, I'm shocked to, you know, admit and say that like what I thought wasn't true. And it's like, yeah, yeah, like the AG of Israel being like, I'm saddened. I am destroyed you know it's all of these people who are now trying to save face after they have been directly involved in the occupation themselves right and they see they see what we said episode one the tide is turning they see the tide turning so they're like maybe if i get off the boat right now i can still swim back to shore and be part of the people who are on the right side they're like i'm gonna leave a paper trail you know how yeah. when you like you fuck up at work and you send an email to like make sure yeah. that your boss sees that it wasn't your fault? Like that's what yeah. they're doing right they're now. They're creating a paper trail. Absolutely. Yeah. They're like 100%. trying to post to HR like, hey, I didn't even, I was on vacation I, per my last email, right? Yeah. I didn't do the occupation stuff. Yeah. I did, but I'm really sorry, you know? It was a complete surprise that I did occupation. Right. <laughs> get the fuck out of here so Uh, folks that has been another episode of the palestine pod thank you all so much for listening to another episode please check out our sources which will be uploaded expeditiously circumspectly circumspectly (laughs) after each episode (laughs) uh www.palestinepod.com Check us out on Instagram at the Palestine Pod. Send us an email at palestinepod at gmail.com and support us on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Palestine Pod. That's a one take, baby. You know what I'm saying? We yeah. really and buy a t shirt. And oh, buy yeah, a t shirt um, from our collab with Palestinian Hustle. They were made ethically and they are soft and comfortable. That's been another episode of the Palestine Pod. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Stop, 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 stop,